morning. Today, with the invocation of the War Powers Act by the President, I am declaring a state of martial law in this city. To the best of our knowledge, we are opposed by no more than 20 of the enemy. He is hiding among a population of roughly 2 million. Intelligence tells us that he is most likely Arab-speaking, between the age of 14 and 30, narrowing the target to 15,000 suspects. We can further reduce that number down to those that have been in this country less than six months. Now you have 20 hiding among 2,000. You are one of these 20 young men. You can hide among a population of similar ethnic background. Unfortunately for you, you can only hide there. And that population in a classic immigration pattern is concentrated right here in Brooklyn. We intend to seal off this borough. Then we intend to squeeze it. This is the land of opportunity, gentlemen. The opportunity to turn yourselves in. After sundown tonight, any young man fitting the profile I described who has not cooperated will be arrested and detained. There's historically nothing more corrosive to the morale of a population than policing its own citizens. But the enemy would be sadly mistaken if they were to doubt our resolve. They are now face to face with the most fearsome military machine in the history of man. And I intend to use it to be back on base in time for the playoffs. Thank you for your time. about destruction Don't you know that you can count me out Open up with that clip from the movie The Siege, which is uh, just about everything everybody's talking about with with the craziness that's going on, the destruction, the and the the government has to come in and do something about it, and all the all the fighting between the media, the media against everything Trump does. Trump said, "Hey, governors, you guys need to run your states." When the coronavirus came out, you need to run your states. I'm not going to step in and, and overdo that unless you guys need help. And everybody first, first everybody said, Hey, there's, he can't control every state. And then when he made it clear, I'm not going to, I'm not going to overstep my boundaries. I'm gonna let you governors, but if you guys need, need support, the federal government's going to come in and I'm going to give you all the support. Then all of a sudden you heard uh, Andrew Cuomo uh, talking about, Hey, he's dumping everything on. He created this issue and now he's dumping it all on the, on the, on the governors. Well, I think that's what they ran for. Now he said, hey, you know what? You guys need to get control of your states. There's chaos going on. There's, there's anarchy. There's destruction. There's, there's just, it's, it's riots. You guys need to get control of it. And governors are afraid to do that. And he said, hey, for those of you that, for those of you that, that don't, I'll send, I will take, take it over, that we can't have this stuff. And, of course, now they're saying, hey, well, look what he's doing. He's bringing in the military. 
Well, that's the National Guard's job, actually, is is for uh, is for chaos that's going on on our property, on our in our in our uh, in our own country. And no matter what he does, it's not it's not good. No matter what. And I'm going to talk about a lot of that stuff. I also opened up with that song from the Beatles, Revolution, because this is what's happening, folks. This is what's happening. It's either going to be a revolution of chaos, defund the pres the police, defund the police. This is the most asinine things I've ever heard coming out of people. Actually, people on on TV, people on uh, pe- politicians. We're going to defund the police. What the hell are you guys thinking? You know, so it's either going to be that or it's going to be a civil war. So it's just a, it's it's actually it's actually going to make for a lot of good movies when this thing's over. I bet there's going to be a lot of movies about what's going on. And uh, but I'm going to give you my my vision on it today. I'm going to give you my vision on what's happened over the last over the last uh, uh, seven days today. But before I do, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are some fantastic opportunities out there, you need financing, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get some information, but you don't want to talk on the phone, you can go to edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Click on the Summit Funding logo. That'll take you to my lending page. And you can fill in the, as much information as you want me to have. And uh, tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from either myself or one of my talented teammates, Eric Marquez, Cody Bradbury, Brian Goodman, or Aaron Fredericks. And we will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. You know what? Uh, a lot of people are calling in and saying, hey, I'm talking to these people, talking to these people, and they're quoting this, they're quoting that. I said, you know, there's there's more to there's more to lending than is just, hey, what's your rate? You know, because there's there's a whole bunch of different strategies based on your life. So, you know, I don't I'm not a one size fits all. Hey, yeah, I've got the I've got I've got good rates and I've got this and I've got that, but I like to talk to people and my people and and my crew likes to talk to you. Let's find out about what your plans are. Let's talk about what what makes sense. Let's do that and uh, help you find what's what's the right tool for you. And uh, and it may just be you know the lowest price thirty year fix you can find, but there may be other stuff that that uh, we help you consider. And I like to think that all my clients, you know, what I I always I said to someone, hey, I'm I'm in the I'm in the business where my clients I quote them, and at the closing table, they're still happy. And a year later. A year later, when they when uh, they need to finance again or they need to uh, buy a different property or something, they're still happy and they call me back. So, thirty years of this, we're pretty good at this thing. So, uh, edhoffman.net, click on Summit Funding logo. If you hear something on the show you want repeated or you want to share it, uh, go to edhoffman.net. Click on the podcast page. You can hear this show as well as well as several past shows, and you can uh, you can download them and listen to them anytime you want. And you can also uh, get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, where you can subscribe for free. And once a, once a week, we upload it. It'll download to your uh, to your uh, your device, your your iPhone or your iWatch or your iPad or your iPod or your Mini Pad or your Maxi Pad or your computer or even your Droids or whatever else gets iTunes. And uh, you can listen to it whenever, wherever you want. Uh, so, or if you and the good thing about the podcast is if you're driving and then you have to stop wherever you're going and you miss the rest of the show or you missed half of it, you can get the whole thing whenever you want. So anyway, uh, follow me on Twitter, at Ed Hoffman, where I tweet about current events all week long. And the Facebook page for the show 
is facebook.com slash the main event at Hoffman. So let's talk about, uh, and if you have any comments on the show, you can email me direct at ed at edhoffman.net. Okay, let's talk about what's going on. Riots, riots, riots. That's all we're hearing about from coast to coast. America has been overtaken by rioters and looters for the last 10 days in the name of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter move. Many cities began implementing, implementing curfews on Monday night, which has done little to curb violence because no one's honoring the curfews. No one's honoring the curfews and the police's hands are tied, seemingly, to enforce them. It's pretty much impossible to cover everything that's happened, so here's an overview. Here's an overview of what's going on. Nationwide, over 9,000 people have been arrested uh, and the property damage is in the hundreds of millions. In the city of Minneapolis, $55 million in one city. So I think in the hundreds of millions, maybe even into the billions of what's going of, uh, over this. So it's, uh, it's pretty disgusting. In cities like Dallas, Texas, Columbia, South Carolina, and Rochester, New York, innocent residents were severely beaten by rioters for protecting their local businesses from looting which is what I would be doing if I was in their shoes and they're coming after me. In Birmingham, Alabama, a CBS reporter was beaten and robbed live on the air while reporting on, lo- while reporting on the looting. In Washington, D.C., the, the windows of, of federal buildings have been smashed and war memorials have been desecrated. Up in San Jose, Antifa and Black Lives Matter people were literally walking on the freeway in moving traffic, smashing in the windows of cars with frightened drivers inside. Hey, you know what? If that gets to where I am, I'm at, I always have a gun in my car with me. So you, you, uh, if any of you, uh, Antifa guys or black lives matter, if you, if you do something to me, there's going to be a bullet coming right at you. So, and, uh, Hey, you know, am I fearing for my life? Yeah. They're smashing things and I'm in the car and, uh, there's not much distance in between. Uh, and in Southern California, hundreds of businesses have been looted or completely destroyed from San Bernardino to Santa Monica to San Diego it's it's amazing. It's amazing. You know, the the governor or the, the governor of Florida, I think it was the governor of Florida. Um, he he posted a thing saying, hey, the people in this county, such and such county are people who love guns. They own guns. And I encourage them to use guns. If if some of you come after uh, break into their house, I, I advise them to use those guns to blow you back out of their house. So, you know, enough is enough. You know what this uh this you know George Floyd justice this is all this this has gone beyond that it's gone beyond that and and this has nothing to do with George Floyd this is just anarchy and and I'll I'll give you some of my summation towards the end of the show about what what you should probably consider uh, and then we have the injured or dead police officers the tragic results of previous violence are keenly felt among police departments across the country in las vegas a man is charged with the attempted murder of a young patrol officer captured on this graphic video a new york city police officer brazenly struck by a car last night in the bronx and three officers hit by an SUV that barreled through a police barricade in Buffalo. While in St. Louis, 77-year-old retired police captain David Dawn was killed by looters as he tried to defend a store. One officer shot while four others struck by gunfire in St. Louis. Stunned, and we need to pray for our city and pray for these officers. Yeah, but those lives don't matter. All these, all these officers deserved it, right? That's not what David Dorn's kids are saying about their father being shot and left to bleed to death while people watched it live on Facebook. 
consensus over TVs, over uh, stuff that's replaceable. And uh, they forgetting the real message for the protests and the positiveness that's supposed to come out of it. And we get this negative light that's shown on a situation that really needed light to be brought to it. I just hope that the person that did this, that they come forth or whatever, because this is just so senseless. And I'm just, I'm tired of it. I'm just, I'm tired. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me that no one, the outrage over this is minimal. I haven't heard David Dorn's name, you know, one one thousandth of as many times as I heard heard about George Floyd. And George Floyd, as you'll know here in a few minutes, not quite the upstanding citizen that that uh, that David Dorn was, who served his served his community. And the only thing that the only thing that's that caused him to get shot is trying to defend uh, a friend of his property that had not a damn thing to do with any of this stuff. But you got kids that are just wild outside their mind that can't think straight they don't i don't i don't know i don't know if they even have brains it's amazing to me you know what kind of parents brought these people up don't they know the difference between right and wrong apparently not um in michigan let, let me go over a few little uh few little uh, uh statistics to put things in perspective that why this why this whole thing is such a bunch of bull in, in Michigan State and Arizona State study examining two years of officer-involved fatal shooting data, there was no systematic evidence of anti-black disparities in fatal shootings or fatal shootings of unarmed citizens. So in other words, you know what? Cops kill people sometimes, and whether they're armed or unarmed, there's no, there's no evidence that it happens to black people more than white people. In 2019, the Washington Post database showed a total of 1,004 civilians were shot by police. In a whole year, 1,004 civilians were shot by police. 41 of them, only 41 of those people were unarmed. So, hey, if you got a gun in your hand and you point it at them and they kill you, then that, that's, that's different. Uh, so 41 of those people were unarmed. From those number, 20 of them were white. 10 of them were black. So the other 11 must be uh, Hispanic or, uh, or Middle Eastern or, or Asian. So, but 20, half of them were black, only, only 10 of them, 10 of, no, half of them were white, only, 10 of, only a quarter of them were black. The same database also showed that only 12% of whites and Hispanics killed in homicides were killed by cops. For blacks, it's only 4%. So let's see, of all the people that got shot and killed, only 4% of them were killed by cops. And I wonder where the rest of those come from. Uh, from Black people every weekend? I don't know. A study by Roland Fryer, a black Harvard economist, found that cops are more reluctant to use deadly force. Let me say, state that over. A study by Roland Fryer, a black Harvard economist, found that cops are more reluctant to use deadly force against black people. The Bureau of Justice Statistics survey conducted every three years found that black men and white men are about equally likely to have contact with a cop in a given year. It depends on uh, the ones that are. Uh, breaking the law. And FBI data shows that the number one cause of preventable death for young white men is accidents, while the number one cause of preventable death for young black men is homicide, usually committed by another young black man, not a cop. I don't know. Did anybody talk about those statistics? Because I think white, matter, white lives matter too. And quite frankly, everybody that's posting Black Lives Matter is offensive to me, that, and it's offensive to me like dorks like, like uh, Bernie Sanders when, when asked 
asked by idiot uh, debate um, uh, moderators say, here's the question, black lives matter or all lives matter? What kind of, what kind of question is that? He goes, well, black lives matter. What a bunch of idiots. So it's offensive to me when people, people that I even respect that post that black lives matter, and maybe they're just trying to get attention of those people. But when I see somebody that posts the hashtag Black Lives Matter with it, that tells me that's what they're that tells me that they're representing that where it might not be. But that's how I interpret it as a white guy, a, guy, a white guy who obeys the laws, never had any never had any run in with the cops ever short of a uh, of a, uh, a speeding ticket or, a, you know, expired registration ticket or something when I was young. Uh, and you know why that is? Because my parents taught me right and wrong. They taught me that you respect authority. You don't break the laws. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, if, if I was in trouble in my, uh, in my years, my 20 and under years, I was more afraid of what my mom would do than what the cops would do. That's how people are supposed to be. That's how people are supposed to be brought up. And guess what? Not every black person in America supports the chaos or Black Lives Matter as a movement. Listen to this grandmother and business owner in Brooklyn. What's your problem that bothers me? You says black lives matter. I work here part time. Plus, I'm a part owner of this store. You said black lives matter. Why don't you choke me? I'm black. Look what you did to my store. Look. Look what you did to my store. Tell them, sister. That's right, because I got their back. These are my clothes right here. Good man. Look at the things you've done. Good man. Look. The black lives matter. We've been here all night cleaning up. All night cleaning. And you got black people standing right here with them. Tell me black lives matter. You lied. You wanted to loot the store. You needed money. Get a job like I do. Stop stealing. This is the neighborhood. We try to build it up and you tan it down. That's the reality, folks. That's the reality. Even George Floyd's own family is calling for all of this to stop. Too bad no one's listening. And we're calling for those individuals that want to loot and those don't want to disrespect the name of George Floyd. Don't do it in the name of George Floyd. You're disrespecting his legacy. If you want to chant peacefully, you can do so. But don't do it in the name of George Floyd. Yeah, it's I mean, it's uh, it's just it's just unbelievable how stupid how stupid these people are, and they just use the 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 Black Lives Matter and George Floyd and uh, and uh, I can't breathe and all that all those hashtags, which just anger me so uh, let's talk about what let's find out about the truth of george floyd while we're on that subject he's been portrayed as an innocent martyr but who's the real george floyd you know who is this guy really you know as i've said you know people don't get hassled by the police unless you break the law um so candace owens a black conservative activist who many of you know and love isn't afraid to say the truth we are being sold a lot of lies and at the detriment to the black community, at the detriment to the white community and at the detriment to America as a whole. So 
I um, want to come out and say uh, that I do not support George Floyd and the media depiction of him as a martyr for black America. The black community is unique from other communities. Um, our, our culture is unique from other communities um, because we are the only community that caters to the bottom denominator of our society. Now, let me explain what that means. Um, it means to say that not every black American is a criminal, not every black American is committing crimes, but we are unique in that we are the only people that fight and scream and demand support and justice for the people in our community that are up to no good. And I want to be very clear, what I'm saying is not any defense for Derek Chauvin. I hope Derek Chauvin gets the justice that, um, that he deserves to be um, you know, implemented upon him and that the family um, of George Floyd deserves justice for the way that he, that he died. Um, but I also am not going to accept the narrative that this is the best the black community has to offer. Yes, and uh, Candace went on to say this is not a defense of Derek Chauvin, the officer now charged with Floyd's murder. No one is saying Chauvin was an amazing human being because he clearly isn't. But plenty of people are saying that George Floyd was. For whatever reason, it has become fashionable over the last uh, five or six years for us to turn criminals into heroes overnight. But George Floyd is being uplifted as an amazing human being. Um, and uh, for those of you who have not yet seen the clips and did not pursue or wait for more clips to come out, uh, first and foremost, George Floyd at the time of his arrest was high on fentanyl and he was high on methamphetamine. Uh, this came back in both of his autopsy reports. Uh, if you pursued the 911 transcript, you can see see the person describing somebody who is out of their mind high um, and which is what made the person fearful because he tried to you know to uh, use a, a, a bill that I guess was a fake bill to purchase something and then he was outside acting weird and they in their police call said that this person was obviously distorted and on drugs uh, when he is put into handcuffs and is put against the wall a baggie of what looks to be like uh, cocaine or uh, some it's, it's white it's a white baggie that that he drops onto the floor that you can see in an image if you look up the clip. Barring all of that, nobody thinks that he should have died during this arrest, but what I find despicable to be is that everyone is pretending that this man lived a heroic lifestyle when he didn't, and I want to talk about what his lifestyle was um, leading up to this moment and why I refuse to accept the narrative that this person is is a martyr or, or should be lifted up in the black community and that we should be buying t-shirts uh, with his name on it. 1998, he spent uh, 10 months in prison for theft with a firearm. Uh, that was the first prison stint that I could find on him. In 2002, he spent eight months in prison for a cocaine offense. In 2004, just two years later, he spent another 10 months in prison for a cocaine offense. In 2005, he spent another 10 months in prison for having um, less than one gram of cocaine on him again. So those were the nonviolent drug offenses, except for the armed robbery one in 1998. But George Floyd's criminal record doesn't end there. And listen to this clip carefully and closely for the details. In 2005, a woman who was pregnant uh, received a knock at the door um, and she went to the door and the person pretended to be someone that worked um, for the water department. So she opened her door and quickly realized that the person at her door did not work for the water department and attempted to slam it. Um, at the moment that she was attempting to slam it, a Ford pulled up and another five men jumped out of the car and one of which was George Floyd came up to the door and they forced their way in 
inside to her home, uh, inside of her home. Um, mind you, this woman is pregnant. At that point, uh, George Floyd took out a gun and pressed it to her stomach. Um, as she was screaming, begging for her life, and, uh, and he put her inside of her living room and instructed one of his criminal friends that was with him uh, to watch her and to make sure she didn't leave the living room. So he was playing guard while they ransacked her home looking for drugs and money. They did not find um, drugs. They ended up taking, I believe, her wallet and her cell phone. So this lady, this lady was pregnant. She goes to the, she gets a pound on the door and somebody says, hey, it's the water department. She opens the door and, and these guys come in. George Floyd, imagine this being your wife or your mom, or your sister, she's pregnant. Some guy throws her down and puts a gun on her belly. Then they make, them, then they make her uh, go in the living room and somebody else watches her to make sure she doesn't move, fearing for her life and the life of her baby And while they ransack the place so they could get her cell phone and her wallet because they couldn't find any drugs or money in there. What a, what a piece of garbage this guy is. So, but anyway, he still did, doesn't mean he still d- deserved to die the way he did, but let's continue. Now, you can say uh, the media is portraying it like he was just getting his life together after, you know, being released in 2014 following that incident. Uh, he was just getting his life together and, and moved and was going to start afresh. I'd like to believe all of those things. And there is a gap and he never got in trouble for five years until this incident when the police were called on him again. Um, uh, but you are defying common sense to believe that this suddenly became an exemplary character but happened to be high on fentanyl and methamphetamine um, and and trying to use a bill um, uh, a fake bill to purchase something and so in my opinion uh, George Floyd was a criminal <laughs> he was a criminal and just because he was a criminal doesn't mean he deserved to die at the knee of a police officer but it does mean that I am not going to play a part of the broken black culture that always wants to martyr criminals, who wants to pretend they were these upstanding human beings that just wanted to help society, uh, that just wanted to reach out um, and, and uplift society. And we're, he has a rap sheet that is long, that is dangerous. He was an example of a violent criminal his entire life, okay? Yep, exactly. So that's how, that's how who uh, George Floyd really was. And which again, doesn't uh, get Derek Chauvin off, off the hook. And it's after we, after we uh, pause for five minutes of traffic, weather and commercials, and maybe some sports if there's any started up yet. Um, we're going to talk about Derek Chauvin a little bit. Don't go away. I'll be right back. You say you got a real solution. Well, you know, we don't love to see the plan. You ask me for a Money for people with minds that hate. All I can tell you is, brother, you have to wait. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. I don't talk a lot about uh, real estate or financing on the show, but that's what I do. So if uh, if you're uh, finding yourself uh, wondering if it's time to refinance that piece of property you own, if you're finding it time to consider owning a different piece of property, even if it's in a different state, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, area code 855-640-2020. If you're financing a house, if you're buying a house, 
you want to talk to someone who thinks like you so they can advise you in uh, in what's the best the best plan for you financing wise. Uh, and if you hear if if you're listening to me and you say, hey, that guy thinks like me, I agree with how he thinks, then you want to talk to someone who's like minded that can kind of steer you towards the towards the right uh, right decisions. Call me eight five five six four zero twenty twenty or at hoffman.net click on the summit funding logo i'll help you get there so in the first half in the first half of the show we were talking about all the writing we were talking about all the uh uh we actually talked about in in detail we talked about candace owens uh uh her post that she did with her research on who george floyd was this is all about george floyd right hashtag george floyd hashtag i can't breathe hashtag black lives matter you know what do you have any idea who you're, who you're attaching to your post. Do you have any idea? Well, we just gave you a real glimpse into what a, what a pillar of strength in the community was. Does that mean it's not that it's okay for him to get killed? No, absolutely not. I watched the video, and when I watched the video, it was before anything started up. I saw it, and I just go, that guy needs to be in jail, the guy that did it. I don't care if the guy was white, if he was black, if he's Asian, if he's Hispanic. doesn't matter. A human being with with power with power uh, a police officer put his knee on a guy on a guy with no power who was restrained and killed the guy while other people were saying hey he's not breathing that guy needs to go to jail for a long long time that is that is a bad person and we're going to talk about that as well about who uh, Derek Chauvin was cuz he's not a good person either and and why wasn't he investigated before? I don't know. Maybe this, maybe his his past isn't as a uh, as concerning in the scheme of things. But it sounds like sounds like the guy's got a got a a screw loose a little bit. Um, so let's let's talk about Derek Chauvin. Uh, Derek Chauvin's been on the uh, in the police force for twenty some years. Uh, he has in his career three shootings. Three shootings. One was fatal uh, in two thousand six. Um, he was in a confrontation with a suspect and he, and he claims the suspect had a gun. So, Hey, you know, it's like I said earlier, if you've got a gun and you're around a cop, the cop wants to go home that night too. So you get what you get. Um, in 2008, he, uh, he, he, uh, uh shot somebody in a domestic dispute. And the other one was a, sus- a suspect and one in 11 where the suspect was actually running from another shooting. And he tried to stop him and and shot him, not lethally, um, but shot him. And uh, hey, you know what? If the cops don't know if you're running from a place where there's a shooting, they don't know if you're the one that did the shooting or you're trying to get out of there because someone's got a gun. So always always good when you see cops to just uh, slow down if you if you look uh, suspicious. But the big problem here I see is in 2007. 2007. Apparently, he pulled over some lady for a traffic issue. And the lady had a uh, had her dog and her two month old baby in the car, and uh, and a, and he he opened the door, unbuckled her without saying anything. He he opened the door, he unbuckled her seatbelt, and dragged her out of the car. Um, apparently, uh, she was breastfeeding and she uh, had breast milk all over her shirt. And the cop goes, "Well, that's just postpartum depression or something something along those lines." And uh, you know, but he just. You pull someone over and you and you open the door and grab a lady out of a car, drag her out. Um, that guy's got a screw loose. He needs to be in jail. And I don't know what kind of investigation they did or what kind of, but you know, just on 
on the stuff that's reported to me sounds like a guy's got a problem with controlling his you know what cops have to cops have to balance the power the power that they have with the uh with the fact they're supposed to hey I don't want to overpower somebody, but I'm, I'm here to supposed to protect everybody else from everybody else. So, you know, they, they walk a, they walk a, a thin line there and uh, I wouldn't want to have that job. And I think, uh, I think these cops don't get enough credit because every day I would, you know, can you imagine going to work every day and you're wondering who's going to shoot at you? Imagine being a cop today. Can you imagine how great the recruiting is doing to recruit people that go into the police force now? Why wouldn't anybody, especially as, especially as people in the media are saying, defund the police. Can you, can you even guys, you know, just take yourself out of, out of, uh, uh, May of May and June of 2020, take yourself out. What's going to happen if we don't have any police? Same thing that's happening now. Exactly. So uh, presidential response, if you've been watching CNN, then you'll know all the protests are actually very peaceful, and it's the president's fault every time one of them turns it, turns it into a riot. Um, although, so if you're watching the Communist News Network or PMSNBC or MSNDNC, uh, MSDNC, you know, if you use, use any of those kind of things because they're in the tank for the, for the, uh, for the uh, Democratic National Committee, all the way they're way they're way in the tank for the democrats uh, or if you've uh, or also you heard it was a really big deal that the president trump stood in front of st john's episcopal church in washington dc on monday the fact the church had been vandalized and graffitied the night before was was fine but the president taking a photo there oh my god the president wants to make it uh, a reality tv show of god and country uh, call out the military, and then I go to church and hold up a Bible. Uh, yeah, we understand who he's trying to appeal to. Using tear gas and flash grenades in order to stage a photo op. A photo op. And one of the most historic churches in the country, or at least in Washington, D.C. Yeah, can you, can you, can you believe with everything that's going on, these guys are, are focusing in on this, on the Trump going over to the church and taking a picture in front of it reminds me of a, of a movie clip from a movie called other people's money. I got a company to run. Yeah. Well, that's my point. I don't like the way my company's being run and you better get your elevator fixed. There's a damn fire raging here and this whole industry's up in flames and you call the fire department and who shows up? Nobody. Because they're all in Japan and Singapore and Malaysia and Taiwan and every other hole where they're crazy about pollution. And while that inferno is raging, you're out in front, mowing the lawn, tidying up, playing with your putts on my money. Exactly. These people are these people are supposed to be helping solve the problems, and they're and they're all up in arms over over the uh, over the fact that he had a had a photo op in front of this church that got vandalized. Can you imagine? Can, let's think back to uh, about six or eight years ago. Uh, no, I'm sorry, about 16 or 18 years ago when, uh, when uh, President Bush was surveying the, the damage from Hurricane Katrina in, in Louisiana. Let's think about a photo that they took of him uh, in Air Force One looking out the window at the devastation 
And he he made a, a decision not to land his plane and create a bunch of chaos and block the people that are trying to save people and to make sure that uh, his presence there didn't disrupt first responders trying to save people. So he didn't land. Do you remember the crap that he got from the media? Do you remember the crap he got from from everybody because he didn't th- he wasn't he wasn't uh, bold enough to go out to get on the ground and really see and really hear from the people? He flew over it, but he said, "Hey, you know what? It's it's my decision." So now, if George Bush doesn't doesn't land and get a photo op, they criticize him, and now George, uh, Donald Trump goes over there and has a photo op, and they criticize him. Is that is there any question that the media is in it in the tank for the Democrats? It's so obvious to me, and I can't believe that some people don't don't see this. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna pose another uh, another. Can you imagine? But these people are majoring in the minors. They're sweating. You know, I read a book called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, and it's all small stuff. And this is exactly what it's about. The people that just major in the minors, they just nitpick over everything. And let's clear up a few things about what happened Monday, because if you look at social media, you know what? I saw some, I saw some posts from people that I actually, I actually respect. And let, me re- put, let me rephrase that. People I actually used to respect posing things about he went for a he went they they blasted uh they cleared people with tear gas so Trump could have a uh could have a photo op or um what was the other thing they talked about uh just the fact that he had the photo op but then there was a tear gas and the photo op I'm going what do you think the president does what do you think the secret service does when the president goes anywhere they clear the way we went to the inauguration of uh Donald Trump and for the couple of days, we got, a, we got a hotel room right next to the Capitol, so we wouldn't have to walk very far because I, I figured when I made the, the reservations, it's probably going to be snowy in December. It wasn't, but it was cold. And we had to walk like 25 or 30 blocks around the perimeter of everything to get to the, the Capitol, which was a block from our, from our hotel because they clear the way because the president's there. They clear the security. You know, when, uh, when, when, Barack insane Obama goes to Hawaii for two or three weeks for Christmas and he clears the whole island of, of Oahu with uh, security. So people can't even do their, uh, can't even, uh, can't even do their business in the, probably the busiest time in the state of Hawaii for vendors to, to sell, uh, I don't know, uh, what do they call that thing? Uh, where they got the parachute behind the boat, the parasailing. So they do parasailing. Can't do that because we don't know who's in that boat. It's a diversion. They do all that stuff. Nobody says anything about that and disrupting people's lives. Let's clear up a few things about what happened, actually happened on Monday. Police did not use tear gas or hand grenades, as Joe Biden said. They used smoke bombs and pepper balls. And I don't know exactly what the difference is, but I'm assuming the smoke bombs they don't have, are, are designed to scare people that may be tear gas and get them to run. And the pepper balls, maybe it's a milder form of tear gas. Whatever. Then a medic helicopter was lowered until the crowd scattered. Police do this a lot of times, often to disperse crowds. Second, the reason they were doing this was because it was approaching the eight o'clock curfew. So, well, hey, it was before the it was before the curfew. I heard this over and over on on Facebook. Well, he did it before the curfew. Well, what the hell's the difference? There's a curfew. I'm in I'm in uh, back at my Arizona house. We went to dinner. We went. We tried to go out to dinner on Sunday about six thirty. And we walked in there. I didn't know there was an eight o'clock curfew. And the people at the at the Mexican restaurant we went to um, said, "Oh, we'd love to seat you, but we can't because we have to be out of here at eight. 
I said, well, it's 6.30. We'll be done before 8. And they go, no, we have to be out of here. It has to be done by 8. I didn't realize it was a curfew. I thought they just needed to close by 8. And, uh, and so, which I, later, which I later found out. Oh, wait a minute. But now, the, now they're dispersing people in Washington, D.C. half an hour before the uh, curfew. I don't think that's, I don't think that's uh, unreasonable. The third thing, Trump says he didn't even know there was a protest happening by the church. And I said, go to the church. I didn't know protesters or not. Nobody tells me that. They say, yes, sir, we'll go to the church. Now, when I went, I didn't say, oh, move them out. I didn't know who was there. I figured I was going to walk right. over to the church very nearby. Yeah, the Secret Service does what the Secret Service does. You know, and when the, when the, when the, when the president is going somewhere, they say, hey, this would be a good photo op. Let's have you, let's, let's go a couple blocks over to the uh to the uh, church and, and get a photo op that you're visiting it. Okay, I'll do that. Let's go over there. And they, and they do what they do. I'm sure Trump isn't aware of all the, all the logistics, just like I'm not, I'm not uh, aware of all the logistics that, uh, that my people do on every little thing to get a job to, Hey, this needs to get done, get it done. And I don't know every, I don't need to know every little detail, just get it done. I know how, what has to get done and it needs to get done. So, uh, after the after that occurrence, former Defense Secretary Jim Mattis uh, did a uh, op-ed saying that Trump was causing some of the uh, some of the division in this country and division in this country, and everybody just posted it and said, "See, now you got a voice of reason." And uh, I te- I text my friend Joey Jones, which you guys all know from uh, that watch Fox News, uh, Johnny Joey Jones. I text him and I say, because I know he has a great respect for this guy. And I said, what's your position on that? So he sent me a copy of a, his draft of an op-ed that he posted on Fox, Fox, foxnews.com. And uh, I'll just read a few sentences from it. He said, General Mattis made his reputation on two things, the skill to surprise an enemy and his peers with swift and decisive action, and two, the audacity to speak his mind in nonconformist soundbites. He's the general known for saying, be polite, be professional, and have a plan to kill everyone you meet. Trump, on the other hand, is less calculated and more reactive to populist sentiment and current events. Neither are right or wrong, but certain to clash. Um, it, but it takes more than principled leadership. I'm, I'm skipping sentences here so I don't read the whole thing. It, it, but it takes more than principled leadership and proven strategy to win over a country right now. It takes bombastic personality, overgeneralizations, and pointed innuendo. That's why I voted for Trump. He plays a role. In doing so, he backs up policies and fights political fights a well-balanced tactician wouldn't dare to engage in. For that reason, Trump is an effective disruptor, and for those same reasons, Mattis would never condone his, act, his tactics. So, you know, you're going, hey, I respect Mattis, but what the hell? He's, he's criticizing our president. These are two guys from two different, two different positions, and, and in my opinion, Trump is the, the man for this season. He's the man for our time, and he's doing his job. Meanwhile, Barack Obama, who uh, had Ferguson, who had the Ferguson riots happen on his watch, but I guess he that fact doesn't matter either anymore, is doing very little to discourage the rioters. He's delivered an empathetic message from his home this week, obviously without a teleprompter. Challenges and structural problems here in the United States uh, have been thrown into high relief. Uh, they're the outcomes, not just of the immediate moments in time, but uh, they're the result of a long history of slavery and Jim Crow and redlining and 
institutionalized uh, racism that uh, too often have been uh, the plague, the original sin of our society. Yeah, this is the result of a long history of slavery. Slavery ended in 1865, folks. That's a long damn time ago. I don't think anybody a living is ever, ever part of that. As for Joe Biden, who also can't talk without a teleprompter, this is the best thing to happen to him since the pandemic. He gets to go speak to black churches again. And because of what's going on in their communities, black Americans have already forgotten the offensive thing he said about them on the radio two weeks ago. If you can't decide between uh, voting for me or voting for Trump, you're not even black. Today in America, it's hard to keep faith that justice is at hand. The president of the United States must be part of the solution, not the problem. But this president today is part of the problem and accelerates it. But we can't ignore the truth that we're at our best when we open our hearts rather than clinch our fists. Yeah, I think he had a teleprompter on that one. And leave it to CNN to eat this up with a spoon. Here's Van Jones. Yeah, you know, uh, he is sort of empathy incarnate. Uh, We have two very emotional men running for the presidency. Uh, uh, One more on the angry, outrage, you know, tough side of it. The other kind of strength there, but it's softer. It's more uh, in line with... Uh, I feel your pain, and I'm and I and I'm here to heal you. Van Jones is struggling to even come up with the words that make sense. I don't see it as angry versus still strong, but softer, more empathetic. I see it eyes open, eyes open, awake, appalled. I have power, and I need to use it to take care of people and make sure that we stop this this uh, chaos. And uh, the other guy is, I don't know what to do. I don't even really know what day it is. I don't know. One more thing that uh, about the protests in CNN, the network has been covering them glowingly all week. You're not hearing much on CNN about retired police captain David Dorn or Oakland security guard Patrick Underwood, both black, by the way, or the cop Shay Michelonis, obviously a Greek guy, uh, uh, that is in critical condition because he was trying to arrest somebody that, that was being violent in the protest and somebody else shot him in the back of the head. He's not dead, but you know when you get shot in the back of the head and you live through it, you're just not the same person when you, when you get back to living your life. Instead, you're hearing all the protests that are peaceful, and even when they aren't, it's okay. That's what Chris, Co- what Chris Cuomo keeps saying. We saw a lot of peaceful protesters, as we're calling them. Remember, overwhelmingly, protests are what we would call peaceful. Um, people who want to protest in this country, it's not incumbent upon them to be sweet about it. Uh, You can be outraged. You can be angry. You can yell. You can shame. You can blame. That's okay. You know, protesting doesn't have to be peaceful to be okay. Uh, Yes, it does. Yes, it does. This is America. And that's how that's how things are. So uh, Attorney General uh, uh, Bill Barr uh, had a press conference on Thursday and uh, and he made these comments. We have evidence that Antifa and other similar extremist groups, as well as actors of a variety of different political uh, persuasions, have been involved in instigating and participating in the violent activity. And we are also seeing foreigners playing all sides to exacerbate the violence. The Department of Justice is working to restore order in the District of Columbia and around the nation. 
Yeah, can you imagine all these peaceful protests? But somehow I've seen uh, pallets of bricks being delivered to areas where there's where there's protesting going on. That just doesn't seem like peaceful protests. What are the bricks for? So imagine this before I before I uh, before I run out of time here. Imagine this. Trump gets elected in 2000 in 2016. In the months between the election and him taking office, the Obama administration and the FBI start a plan to 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 destroy his administration. Then we go to a Russian collusion built on a phony narrative. Then the two years of the Mueller investigation, and that fails to get rid of him. Then they go to a phone call that president, which was insignificant, and they try to impeach him with it. That fails. Now we go to coronavirus, and is it and is it suspect that uh, Tony Tony Fauci had involvement with the lab in China where this thing originated? And is it funny that that the uh, the town of Wuhan was keeping people out and in, but they were letting people fly to other countries. And then the then as the uh, as the people are starting to come out of the ether about coronavirus, that maybe the numbers are BS. Now that now that that happened, they seize a chance. They seize a moment that they caught a cop killing a killing a black guy and turned the, this race chaos into 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 uh, destroying the nation. Can you just imagine, is it possible that this stuff is just planned to keep us in chaos all the way till the election? I think it is. I think it is because I got my eyes open. I got my brain working and make sure you guys too. make sure you talk to to your kids and your coworkers and your neighbors and to gently remind them to just pay attention because this is all a scam. Anyway, that's my that's my rant. It's my opinion. I could be wrong but I don't think I am. Let's see how this thing plays out. Anyway, my name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event. I'll be back again with you next week. The opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Summit Funding Incorporated. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921, California DRE ID number 1012658, Arizona MLO license number 0926439, Branch NMLS ID number 1841782, Summit Funding Incorporated, NMLS ID number 3199, Arizona license number 0925837, Equal Housing Opportunity.